0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Chess Interview Series with veteran multi-genre guitarist John Corbell. We talked about his new 2024 CD, Falling Feels Like Flying, getting through COVID and his history in music. His latest effort is a blending of that appeal of Michael Buble with the sophisticated songwriting of Sting, Donald Fagan, and Al Jarreau. It is a project that transcends genre boundaries. His return to music came in 2017 after a two-decade hiatus showing off his commitment and passion. We get into all of this enjoy great to meet you yeah joe thanks
1: for taking the time on this i appreciate it
2: yeah you bet so i want to begin our conversation with you know as a musician how did you get through the pandemic how did you get through that two and a half year time period and how did it change you
1: uh well to some extent you're looking at it um i did a, a a project with my home studio that i'd never really attempted before um i do have um piano in the other room and uh you're able to do direct recording with you know the other instruments so my uh project uh that you'll see on you know my streaming and everything (laughs) called miss the mystery was all done during the pandemic here at my home studio and either with remote recordings patched in or um on a few occasions i did have guys come over like for the piano tracks uh wanted to do those with with my piano so uh we we did have people come in but it was safe and uh it was actually pretty rewarding because like i said i'd never attempted to do that myself like that before
2: sure well it must feel good to have a new album out um falling feels like flying talk to me a little bit about this project
1: well um it was really kind of a uh the kind of the, the stars aligning to some extent Um, what happened was in April of 22, uh, I had uh, a Christmas song that I was really keen on, on tracking and and getting out in time for the holidays. And I approached, um, a guy that I performed with a few times, um, Mark Falchuk, who's a tremendous pianist. And, um, he, uh, and I talked to him about it and, and, uh, he agreed to, to, Helped me put it together. And so we put a group of Orlando area players together in in Fat Planet Studios here in, in town. And the session for the Christmas song, and then we did one other song while we were at it, uh, went just tremendous, tremendously well. And we're really excited about the way it sounded. Um, the Christmas song is called uh, First Christmas Loving You, And, uh, we generated over 200,000 streams on Spotify and it really was very well received. (laughs) So with that kind of under our belt, um, I really felt as though we had something special with this group of musicians and, and with the, the sound we were getting at the studio and everything. So, um, we just basically kept going. I kept booking sessions and we, uh, uh, with the help of Mark, as a producer by this point, uh, selected the, the the songs that we were going to focus on. And uh, it was really a wonderful collaboration across the board. So it really came together, I think, mostly because of that Christmas song and uh, just kind of recognizing what we had and, and running with the ball.
2: So talk to me a little bit about what you hope the listener gets from this album.
1: Oh, uh, that's um that's a tough one. Um the, I think different songs have different um uh, uh vibes that that I want to convey. Uh certainly the the first single that we're really promoting the most right now is um New York All to Ourselves. And what I wanted to get with that was just kind of one of those classic New York romance songs, like you know, Autumn in New York or you know, all those great uh uh american songbook new york songs manhattan songs <clears throat> i wanted to to capture uh the the spirit of those kinds of songs um but maybe with some updated references and some updated language so that it sounds like it's about today and uh, uh so um there's other um in general what i wanted to do was uh, i mean I'm 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 careful to always say that I'm not a jazz musician. I have too much respect for actual jazz musicians to try and claim to be one. Um, What I try to do as a songwriter in general is to, to um, uh, put my compositions together in a way that uh, good musicians, jazz musicians will will bind things in there that they can run with and um, uh, you know, apply their artistry to to what I've set up as the framework in the song. And um, that's very much what I was able to capture on Falling Feels Like Flying because of the caliber of the guys that we brought into the studio. Everybody's just world class. And uh, here in Orlando, it's kind of a, a well-kept secret that there's a jazz scene here. Um, but what you have are a lot of these guys that have played at um, Disney and Cirque du Soleil and the other attractions that are here in the area for years and when they're not kind of on their day job you know at the parks or whatever um they go out and they play jazz clubs and they do sessions and and they're just you know they're world-class musicians and uh they're right here in town and and i was just very fortunate to be able to take advantage of it
2: so how did this journey into the music begin for you what what were who were some early influences how how did it become a career
1: um well i uh grew up in the philadelphia area i'm in orlando now (laughs) but um my formative years i guess you would say uh were up in philly and you know like a lot of kids i mean i had a bunch of friends that we all were learning guitar and we were doing you know folk songs and and then as time went on we got into the the uh uh, kind of uh singer songwriter uh type people like uh, james taylor or Crosby, Stills and Nash, all that kind of stuff when I was in high school. And, uh, as time went on, uh, I started to get more and more attracted to people on the jazz side of the fence. Um, my early influences, uh, I would count, uh, uh certainly Al Jarreau, um, Michael Franks, um, and, uh, more recently, uh, I, I really am drawn to Kurt Elling. I think he's amazing. And, um, uh, Those kinds of artists. I was also, you know, on the the rock side of things. Um, Another big revelation to me was when Sting went to his solo material and brought in, you know, Branford Marsalis and Kenny Kirkland and all these great jazz players to do his songwriting. Uh, It really uh, struck me as like, okay, what I'm attempting to do, what I was attempting to do with band, uh, actually a couple of bands that I had in in Philly, um, what I was attempting to do, uh, you know, was possible if you could get it right. Because he kind of, uh, when I, that uh, Dream of the Blue Turtles came out, I, I thought, Gosh, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm shooting for, and uh, and it was so successful and everything that you know, I knew that what I was up to was going to be uh, 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 appealing to people. So it was kind of a revelation too.
2: So, what was the first live chat show you saw that blew away?
1: Oh, um, geez, there were quite a few. I saw weather report when, um, Jocko was still with them. And, um, that was a, a real revelation. Yeah. Um, I saw, uh, from a big band standpoint, Maynard Ferguson blew me away when I was young. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, there are a couple that come to mind. Um, and, uh, you know. There's been so many over the years. I mean, I saw uh, Terrence Blanchard in New York at Birdland. And also, uh, I've seen Kurt Elling there a couple of times. So there have been a lot of great shows that I've seen. Of course, I saw Al Jarreau many times, too. I should mention that. Right on. Uh, Right through his career, from his first early big tours to the last tour that he did. I I got to see a show on his final tour.
2: So doing this for as long as you have what what do you look forward to the most what is the best part of being a professional musician for you
1: um absolutely getting the opportunity to perform live for people and and have that that energy exchange that happens between uh, the the uh, performer and and the audience um, that's really what all of it's about I mean recording's wonderful I, I certainly like the creative exploration that you get when you're in, involved in a recording situation and you're working with really good players. I mean, for me, that's the key. Um, but uh, the the ultimate is is that experience that you get as a, a live performance.
2: So has there been a stage or a venue that you always dreamed of playing and you finally got the chance to do it and you couldn't believe it?
1: Hmm. Um, well, I would say... A few of the opening shots that I've had were not so much the venue, but the people that I was opening for. I opened for Blood, Sweat, and Tears once; that oh, was yeah. a thrill. Yeah. Uh, I uh, did some shows uh, where I opened for uh, Jay Leno, which was an entirely different experience because you're you're not in front of a music crowd; you're there opening for a, you know a top comic. But if you're able to win those folks over uh and have a you know a successful set then you've really accomplished something because they didn't come there to hear you, you Yeah, know? so that was a thrill um yeah I, there are a couple of things that that certainly uh stand out in my mind but uh uh I, I'd love to play Birdland I've been there yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> I've been there as a as a, an audience member uh several times now and and uh, uh it's it's
2: beautiful yeah so you took a two decade hiatus what was it like to come back to music kind of what were the circumstances? Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that, um, that's while it's true, I wouldn't say that it was like, I, I stepped away entirely from music. I continued to write all the time. Um, uh, it's kind of like, uh, what John Lennon's quote is where, uh, you know, life is what happens while you're making other plans. Um, yeah. I, uh, uh, basically went into a business, uh, and, and, uh, with my wife at the time um, and uh, had some other, uh, you know, uh, business career that I was pursuing and I got to make a living. And, uh, but as far as, you know, the music, it never really uh, was not a part of my life. I had, you know, home set up and I was, I was doing demos and, and uh, writing. And a lot of the writing that appears, for instance, on falling feels like flying with stuff that, you know, dates back, the original writing of it dates back, uh, you know, quite a few years in some cases. So um, coming back to it in 2017 was really a result of me kind of recognizing that there was a whole new world out there in terms of things that you could do as an independent artist uh, with all the streaming platforms and the a- easy access that you had to that. And, um, of course, the you know, the recording technology that that made it a lot simpler than it. Than it used to be to to track things so uh coming back to it was exciting in the sense that it was a different ball game than than what it had been um you know prior to all this internet-based stuff
2: yeah yeah it changed quite a bit so let's say you have an opportunity to get into a time machine and go back in time and catch one show live where are you going who would you love to catch live more specifically maybe in the jazz realm
1: um absolutely uh miles davis uh in the you know the uh early 60s something like that uh, um the you know the uh kind of blue and and that whole um you know birth of the cool all those those records anything that would involve some of that material sketches of spain yeah uh all that all that uh you know stuff with uh i guess it was gil evans that did a lot of the arranging on that and uh uh, as a matter of fact, that came up while we were talking in the studio for New York, uh, all to ourselves, because Mark Falchuk, my producer arranger, when he came back with the horn charts, uh, you know, my jaw dropped because it it sounded like something Gil Evans would have done. I was so yes. thrilled with what he came up with because that it's so understated and and just punctuates the song so well. And that was the kind of stuff that that. Uh, uh, is involved in those arrangements that he would do for Gil Evans would do for, uh, for Miles Davis. So I would have to
2: join you on that trip for sure. Um, Yeah. Okay. I'll
1: get (laughs) you, I'll get you a ticket for sure. I love it.
2: (laughs) So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) um, the, uh, I, you know, what I think that, the revelation that came to me again with the decision to kind of dive back in and really um, uh, get engaged in in working on the music again was the the realization that, you know, okay, I'm not a star. I'm never going to be a star, but I can always be an artist. And I think that the ability to just see yourself as, uh, as an artist with something to say and then have the courage to put it out there uh, is, is not an easy thing. And it's something that, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm striving for. I don't know how, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to characterize how well I'm accomplishing it. I'll leave that to other people. But, uh, you know, the, the idea of, of just being, you know, at this stage of my life, particularly having the courage to just say, Hey, I've written all this stuff. I want it to be out there. And, uh, I, I think that would sum up where I'm coming from pretty well.
2: So as we start kind of heading into the warmer months and and live music and all of that, what what are your plans? Are you playing live? What's going on with you?
1: Well, that's actually a shout out to anybody out there with festivals and things like that. Uh, I'm I'm available. Uh, I'll be doing some things locally here in Orlando for sure, um, and you know, and I'm, I'm basically we're trying to get enough traction with the record that perhaps we can get some opportunities that uh you know that will be driven by that so uh i'm hoping that the again the stars align a little bit on that and i get some opportunities that i wouldn't have had without the the traction that the the recordings are going to get so so far so good i'm, I'm really thrilled with with the the uh, uh reception that we've been getting uh and um i'm very hopeful
2: well, this has been an honor to speak with you. Thank you for taking time out. The new album is Falling Feels Like Flying. So if anyone wants to pick up the album in earnest, find out about anything going on in your world, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, um, CDs are available from my website if anybody's still involved with usil- utilizing that orphan technology. <laughs> um, also, I'm streaming on every conceivable platform. Um, so the, uh, the music is very accessible and uh actually you know reach out to me on my website you know for any, any other questions or information i'm you know happy to, to help out anybody
2: right on john thank you sir i appreciate your time today best of luck with the album and as the year kind of flows forward
1: fantastic joe thank you so much and and uh my uh uh salutations to all of your listeners and and i hope that uh We get to do this again sometime.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Orlando, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to John for his time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: Beyond Jazz.